0: to be jumping in right away. If you've ever been taught American history, I mean most of us have, right? How many of you have taken an American history course at some point in your life? If you've been to school in America, you have taken a class on American history. And you've learned that throughout our history we've, we've fought lots of wars for freedom, Right? That's kind of like a constant thing that we've been doing. One of those wars that we fought for freedom was the Civil War, which was over the issue of whether or not certain states could secede from the Union, whether they had the freedom to secede. And the reason why they wanted to secede was also a freedom issue. It was slavery. Thankfully, the North won the war, and slavery was abolished shortly thereafter. But a funny thing happened after the abolition of slavery. Many slaves who legally had now been freed continued to live in bondage despite the fact that they had been freed. And the reason why that happened is because many of their former masters, wicked evil people, lied to them about whether or not they had been freed. They were told lies like the war never happened or that the North didn't win or that there was no power that the North had to emancipate them freely. Lots of different lies like that were told to these slaves and they believed them. They were caught in a web of deception. Because of the lies of their former masters, they continued to live in bondage. Unfortunately, that is exactly what happens with many of us Christians today, isn't it? Though Christ Christ has set us free, though we've been emancipated from our former life, we continue to hear and listen to the lies of our former master, Satan. And those lies keep us in the bondage and the chains of our sin. Two months ago, we started a series called Live Free, based off of Galatians chapter 5. And in that series, we're looking at what Paul told the Galatians, the truth that he gave the Galatians about living free. In the first verse in chapter 5, which is kind of Paul's thesis for this whole section of Scripture, Paul writes this. He says, For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In that verse, Paul taught us three things. He taught us that freedom is the freedom from something, not the license to do something. He taught us that only Christ can free us. We we don't have any power or ability to free ourselves. And he also taught us that once we've attained freedom through Christ, we need to stand firm and not submit again to our old way of life. Then in the next sermon, we studied verses 2 through 6. And we looked at three things that happen when we live by our works and three things that happen when we live by faith. And you can see all of those things on the screen behind me. Needless to say, it's essential that we are living by faith in Jesus Christ and not by our works. Now today, we're going to be moving to verse 7, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 12 in Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to be learning about the importance that truth plays in whether or not we live free. So as you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. I'm going to pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for your truth. I thank you that we have it freely accessible to us. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just fill me now, that I would speak nothing but your truth, that my words would be your words, that my tongue and my lips and my mind would be yielded completely to you i pray that every one of us here would hear your truth and we would take it and apply it to our lives in jesus name galatians chapter 5 verses 7 through 12 you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth this persuasion is not from him who calls you a little leaven leavens the whole lump i have confidence in the lord that you will take no other view And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So after Paul explains what happens when we either live by works or live by faith, he turns his attention to addressing the specific situation with the Galatian churches. And in verses 7 and 8, he gives us the first principle from this passage. He tells us that truth frees while deception fetters. Truth frees while deception fetters. Notice here, in the first sentence that the Galatian churches, they were actually doing pretty good for a while. They they were running the race well. The Greek word for well here means to do something in a way that is worthy of honor and recognition. And, And Paul gives them that. He gives them that recognition. He says, hey, you guys were running the race well. And he uses the analogy of a race to explain what it is we do in our Christian walk. We're running a race. They had been given the truth by Paul, and for a time, they did well with it. They applied it, they lived it out, they obeyed it, and they they had fruit in their lives. And notice, before we get into the second part of this, I want to point out here that Paul uses a definite article when he's referring to the truth. He calls it the truth which means that there is something as the truth, that there is such a thing as absolute truth, despite what the world may tell us. There is absolute truth. And Jesus affirmed this when he said in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Later on in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the word of God contains the truth. Because it talks all about Jesus Christ, who is the truth. And as we abide in the truth, as we live it out, as we apply it to our lives, that truth is going to set us free. Truth frees. In fact, the truth of the Bible is the only thing that can free us. Amen? Now, now most of us sitting here know that and would readily agree to that. And and knowledge is very good. Knowledge is very important. But the reality of the situation is that it doesn't matter how much we know if we don't apply it and live it out. That's why James says in chapter 1, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. It doesn't matter how much we know if we don't do it. Unfortunately, Paul's audience here was deceived into forgetting this truth. Because as quickly as Paul praises his readers, he turns right around and points out that they had been hindered from obeying the truth. And the word hinder here comes from a Greek word that was also used in races. It was used to refer to someone who cut in front of someone else, who cut them off and slowed them down or caused them to crash. But it also had a military context. It was used in military terms to refer to the practice of destroying a road so that an oncoming army could no longer advance. So we see that the lies of the enemy are designed to knock us off course, to, let us to slow down, to, to stop our progress, that we wouldn't be able to advance any farther. But, but recognize that the enemy didn't hinder the Galatian churches from knowing the truth. The text says that they were hindered from obeying the truth. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have not put your faith in him, then the enemy is going to try to keep you from knowing the truth. But if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, then oftentimes the enemy will change his strategy. And he will try to get you from obeying the truth causing you to cease running the race well. Some of you may remember a British sprinter by the name of Derek Redmond. Derek Redmond was the reigning world champion in the 400-meter race in 1991, and going into the 92 Barcelona Olympics, he was favored to win. Now, he breezed through the pre-races and won with ease, posting the best times... And then before the semifinals, he did something a little different. He didn't stretch properly before his race. He knew everything he was supposed to do, but he didn't stretch properly, and in the middle of the race, pulled his hamstring, fell to the ground, and obviously did not win the race. Though Redmonds knew everything he needed to do, and he had been running well up to that point. He had won everything. He was the world champion. Because he failed to put into practice the knowledge that he had, it caused him to crash and fall. The enemy is fine with us knowing the truth. In fact, listen, the devil knows Scripture better than any of us ever will. He doesn't care how much we know so long as we don't obey it and use it in our lives. The enemy will do whatever he can to get us to disregard the knowledge that we have. And continue to live in the bondage of lies. To, to pull a spiritual hamstring and keep us from finishing the race. So, so, okay. Let's try to get practical here. Practically speaking, we can ask ourselves a couple of questions out of this. Right now, what truth do you know but are not living out? Maybe you were running well for a time in something, but you've slowly faded away from practicing it. Maybe you're allowing yourself to indulge in something that you know you shouldn't. Maybe you've been compromising in something, at work or in a relationship. Maybe you've been putting something off that you know you should be doing now. Maybe God is calling you to something and you keep ignoring God's call. Or maybe you've been rationalizing something even though Scripture is very clear as to how you really should be living. Or maybe it's something else completely. <laughs> Ask the Holy Spirit right now and He'll, he'll tell you, He'll show you. He doesn't want you living in bondage. He wants you living in the truth. And once you have that thing, once you know it, can I encourage you to take out these notes and write it down in here? And not just write it down, but tell someone else about it so they can hold you accountable in that area. Don't be fettered by lies. Abide in the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what the word says. But Paul continues on into verse 9 and he gives us a very common proverb for that day when he says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Paul's point here, his, the second point here, is that while truth is pure, deception is poison. Truth is pure and deception is poison. The reason why truth is pure is because God's truth is inerrant. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. It is completely unadulterated and pure. But but Paul uses a cooking metaphor here. He goes from a race metaphor to a cooking metaphor when he says that a little leaven will leaven the whole lump. Leaven was used when baking bread to make the dough rise, just like yeast is used today. In fact, many of your translations actually use the word yeast in there. So Paul is saying that just as a tiny bit of leaven will spread through the entire lump of dough, so will a small lie poison your entire faith. Once we allow even a small lie to take root in our lives, it can distort and corrupt everything. Something very small can lead to massive problems. This, this principle, it plays out in our lives every day, right? How many times does something small end up causing a big problem? And, and you can see it all throughout history, right? There are so many examples of this. Most of us have heard of the Black Death, Right? We've heard of the Black Death, this plague that killed half of Europe's population in the Middle Ages. Millions and millions of people. Well, do you know what caused it? Fleas. Fleas caused the Black Death. They were carried all over by rats. And it was the bite of fleas that caused the plague. Something very small, something minuscule, had global ramifications. And the point here is that small lies matter. We can't overlook them. We can't disregard them. A small deception will poison the truth and it can have huge consequences. That's why Zechariah 4 says, Who dares despise the day of small things? We can't overlook the importance of small things. Either, either doing the things that we're supposed to do, that are small... Or not doing or not listening to, not believing the negative things. So so the question to ask ourselves is what small lies might you be believing that are poisoning your faith? Maybe there are lies involving your self esteem or self image, that you're not good enough or that you'll never amount to anything. That's a lie. It's not truth. Or maybe there are lies about how you'll be happier if you just had this thing. That's a lie. Or lies about how, eh, I'm not hurting anyone, so why not? That's a lie. There are countless small lies that we can fall prey to if we're not vigilant, if we don't recognize the poison that they are. Now remember, the primary lie that these false teachers were spreading was that the Galatian churches, the Christians, needed to do certain things in order to attain salvation. Chief among them was circumcision. Today, we call that legalism. So, another question to ask myself, am I doing anything in a legalistic way? Are there things that I have to do in order to feel that I think I feel right with God or earn God's favor. Those legalistic things are ruining, they're poisoning your faith. And too many intelligent and well-meaning Christians seem to have a blind spot when it comes to recognizing false teaching, legalism, and the enemy's deception. We have to recognize the lies And walk free in the truth. Pay attention to the small things so that there are not huge consequences later on. Now, if Paul had ended right there, the Galatian readers would probably be pretty dejected. But thankfully, Paul continues on into verse 10 and he tells us the third point, that truth brings hope, while deception brings hell. Truth brings hope, while deception brings hell. In verse 10 he writes, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Immediately after letting the readers know of the dangers of deception that they were falling into, Paul gives his readers hope that they can still come back to the truth. But he also affirms the outcome of those who spread deception. Now, I don't know about you, but it's very comforting to me to know that no matter what lies I might fall into, there is always hope for me to come back to the truth. And that's because the truth doesn't depend on the past. The truth doesn't change with the future the truth is the truth and there is always hope that i can walk free in that absolute truth we always have a choice to accept it and live free in it no matter what lies we may have been believing in fact one of the lies that the enemy will tell you is that you don't have a choice that there's that there's no hope And that is a lie. There is always hope that we can come back to living free in the truth. The good news is that you don't have to make that choice through your own strength. God will help you live free in the truth. Paul makes this very clear in this passage. Because he says that his confidence is where? In the Lord, not in the Galatians. His confidence is in the Lord. We all know that left to our own strength, we just fall on our face. That we'd stay laying on the ground. Paul's confidence is in the Lord and the fact that the Lord will help us finish the race. Paul repeats this truth in Philippians chapter 1 when he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God will finish the work that he started in us. That in and of itself is a truth that should encourage us and strengthen us and give us hope. And we can have confidence in the fact that when we're having a hard time finding the truth, when those lies are overwhelming us and we just keep falling deeper and deeper, God will show us the truth. And he will help us live free in it. John chapter 16 says, When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. God will show us the lies that we are believing. And he will tell us the truth. He doesn't want us to be deceived. He will walk us through the deception to the truth. Remember the sprinter? Derek Redmond, who pulled his hamstring and fell to the track. Well, as he lay on his back in pain, realizing that his dreams of a gold medal were gone, he made a decision, he, he made a choice, he chose to get back up and at least try to finish the race. And as he hobbled along, he was about to crash back down to the track, then when, from out of the stands, his father came, running to him, caught him, put Derek's arm around his neck, and walked with him over the finish line. And friends, that is exactly what Jesus Christ does with us. Just like Derek's father, our Heavenly Father will always be there to help us when we've fallen into a lie. Jesus will always be there to pick us back up. And to hold us when we just want to fall back to the ground. But listen. We're still responsible to make the choice to get up. We still have to choose to stop believing the lie. We have to stop falling victim to the deception. And we have to get up and walk. Not under our own power. The Lord will give us the strength to do that. The Holy Spirit will guide us into the truth, he'll help us cross the finish line. But we still have to choose to disregard the deception and live free in the truth. And that hope is so great because the alternative is so bad. Paul Paul isn't all roses and smiley faces here. He He doesn't ignore the fact that those who spread lies those who don't accept the freedom in Christ, those who choose to stay down on the ground, they'll receive their due penalty. Paul's not trying to be an alarmist. He's not trying to condemn. He's just just speaking the truth. And that truth that those who are deceived are going to hell is confirmed all throughout Scripture. I mean... Just read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. It's evident. And any other, pretty much any other gospel or epistle, it's just, it's there. And it's this very truth itself that hell awaits those who are going astray after a lie that leads to Paul's next point. The truth will offend, and deception will oppress The truth will offend and deception will oppress. Verse 11 says, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Now, apparently Paul was being accused by the false teachers of teaching the same thing that they were, that they needed to be circumcised in order to attain salvation. And and while it's true that Paul did circumcise Timothy in Acts chapter 16, nowhere in any of his writings does Paul come anywhere close to saying that we need to do some legalistic requirement in order to earn salvation. So, So Paul asks the rhetorical question here of why would he be oppressed by the false teachers if he was teaching the same thing that they were? He wouldn't, right? It's ridiculous to believe that he was in agreement with the false teachers just because of the very fact that they were persecuting him. So we see that those who spread deception will always attack and oppress the truth. And they will attack and oppress those who are speaking the truth. And the way that they do that is by spreading more lies. So what this means, practically speaking, is that those who live out the truth and those who spread deception can't function together in the long run. And ultimately, truth speakers, people who live out the truth, who walk free in the truth, will be persecuted and oppressed. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Don't have anything to do with those who spread disobedience. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't relate to them at all. Obviously, we're called to live in the world but we don't partake in the lies of the world. So, we may be able to coexist for a time, but in the end, those who spread deception will always look to remove those who believe the truth. Well, you might be thinking, Matthew, I I coexist just fine with unbelievers. And that's a good thing. We're supposed to. Romans 12 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be peacemakers through the truth. But the reality is that there will be times when it's just not possible to live at peace. That's why it says, if possible. Because if you're actually running the race of truth, you're going to offend someone. You will. And don't fool yourself. The persecution in this country is only going to get worse. It's only going to become more oppressive as this society slips deeper into moral decay and tolerance and relativism. All lies, by the way. Because the reality is that the message of the gospel is offensive to those who would rely on their own strength to save them. They don't want to hear that they're not good enough for heaven. And they're offended by people who would point out the truth to them. And, and if the message of the gospel doesn't offend someone, then you can, you can be probably pretty sure that God's holy standards will offend them. I mean, how many of us have seen posts on Facebook or, or other social mediums where the Christian viewpoint was attacked as offensive or bigoted? I mean, it happens all the time. That's why Paul says that the truth is offensive, that it's a hindrance, that it's a stumbling block to those who are deceived by the truth. Now, the Greek word here for offense referred to a trigger that was meant to trip an animal and set off a trap. So, what Paul's is saying is the truth is going to trip up those who would trust in themselves and their own good works to save them. It's going to trip up those who want to live by their own standards. People's pride and selfishness keep them offended. Keep them trapped and ensnared by deception. In fact, Scripture says that pride is the hallmark of those who have been deceived. Psalm 40 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Prideful people are deceived people. And pointing out that deception is going to offend their pride. I mean, practically speaking, how many times have you ever had your pride pricked? And you got angry, or upset, or offended. When our pride is attacked, we're going to be offended. And the truth is, is going to offend those who are deceived because they've gone astray after a lie. So, the next practical question we need to ask ourselves is, was there ever a time that you failed to speak truth to someone because you were afraid to offend them? Does it happen often? Are you, am I, more concerned with what other people think about me than what God thinks about me? Am I more concerned with the offense than I am with the truth? Friends, the truth should inspire boldness because it's the truth. I mean, we can boldly proclaim something that we know to be true through and through. Amen? We don't have to fear that. Now, naturally, we need to speak the truth in love, without judgment or condemnation, because it doesn't matter what truth we speak, if we speak it in a way that does not also express the love of Christ. But we still need to speak the truth. We can't shy away from the offense Of the truth. Now listen, deception, on the other hand, inspires fear and oppression. So just like our own pride is a signal that we've been deceived somehow, so is our fear a signal that we've fallen victim to a lie, that we're not trusting the truth. And fear in a Christian leads to a weak witness to the world. The fearful Christian will not share the truth. But if we seize on to the truth, and we boldly proclaim the truth, we can show those who have been deceived the life that they can have if they would just walk free in the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that boldness is how Paul closes this section of Scripture when he says, the last point, that truth should be taken seriously while deception must be severed. In verse 12 he writes, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I'd say that's pretty bold, right? Paul's Paul's taking... Truth, extremely seriously here. He's not messing around. Now, Paul isn't literally saying that he would wish that the false teachers would emasculate themselves, that they would, they would castrate themselves, but he's pointing out the folly of their argument when taken to its logical end. You see, there was an occult group in the region of Galatia known as the Cult of Sibylle, And the followers, the worshippers, the priests and priestesses, women too, would castrate themselves, they would mutilate themselves, in order to show their devotion to their goddess. And so Paul is referencing this well-known religious group in the Galatian region to show how these false teachers who were spreading deception that the people needed to be circumcised were really no different at all than this occult group. Paul's point is that if legalism and rituals and circumcision are what make a person right with God, then why not go all the way? Why stop at circumcision? But Paul is also suggesting the answer to how we need to deal with deception in our midst. We have to get rid of it. We've got to cut it off, sever it from our thinking. Because it will lead us astray if we allow it to remain. Earlier in the letter, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul wrote this, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Believing a lie is like falling under a spell. It's like being bewitched. It steals our mind, our thoughts, and ultimately it controls our actions. And and listen, that is what the devil is constantly trying to do, to gain control of you. That is what all of his lies are designed to do, to control your mind and to keep you from obeying or knowing the truth. But we can't be like the Galatians. We can't be fools. We have a choice and we need to choose to disregard the lies and walk free in the truth. If you were here last week, you heard a sermon by Pastor Tim on Nehemiah and Tobiah. And it illustrated this very same point. Tobiah, who represented the flesh had moved right into the house of God, the dwelling place of God. And when Nehemiah found out that Tobiah was living in the house of God, he took immediate, swift, and severe action. He he threw him out. He kicked him out of the temple. He removed all trace of Tobiah's influence on God's people. And Tobiah was never heard from again. That's the same response that we need to have with deception. We can't tolerate it in our midst. We can't allow those lies to seep into our thinking. And listen, we can't tolerate those who speak lies either. Now, before we cut someone off, obviously we try to correct them with gentleness. Right? That's Galatians if any of you is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness. But if they are not going to repent of the lies and live in the truth, then Scripture is clear with how you handle that. You sever their influence. We need to recognize the lies and those who spread lies. And we have to completely cut out the lies from our thinking so that we can live free in the truth because this is what Satan does. He gets us to fall into a lie and then we flounder. We can't run the race anymore because we're living a lie. I can't tell you how many times in this past year, I've been a pastor for what, a year now? Almost every single time I sit down with someone who is struggling with something, it's because they are believing a lie. Because they're not walking free in the truth of what Scripture says, of who they are in Christ, and who they are as a child of God. We have to sever the lies and take seriously the truth. Because Christian You have been set free by Jesus Christ. Amen? And you can continue to run well in his truth. But like those Civil War slaves, we have an old master who is whispering those lies to us, trying to get us to fall back into deception, trying to get us to live in bondage. And we can't let it happen. And if you are someone who has never accepted the freedom that Jesus Christ offers you through his perfect life and sacrifice on the cross for our sins, then can I invite you to stop living in the bondage of deception and for the first time in your life live truly free in the truth Christ has set us free. He's proclaimed our freedom. Christ is the great emancipator. He has broken the bondage of evil. He has deposed the slave master of this world. Throw off the chains of deception. Live free, not fettered. Stop allowing the lies, the poison to spread in your life and live in the purity of the truth. Celebrate the hope that we have in the truth, that it's always there, ready for us to accept it and walk in it again. And recognize the consequences if we don't. Don't be afraid to boldly proclaim the truth, even though it may offend. Speak the truth in love, but speak the truth. And be ready for the oppression that is sure to come. And when you recognize a lie, though small it may be, don't allow it to take root. Sever it. Remove it from your thinking immediately. Don't tolerate it for a second, because it will spread and poison you. Let's live free in truth. Amen?